Welcome to Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Our host is Aaron David Free, president of Israel Team Advocates International. Aaron is an author, speaker, Bible teacher, and an advocate for Israel and the Jewish people on college campuses nationwide. This is Israel and You. Welcome to Israel and You. We have a very special guest today, all the way from Jerusalem, and he'll be talking to us actually from Jerusalem. And our special guest is Israel Stefanski, who's the president and founder of the Advanced Security Training Institute. And Israel deals with uh, terrorism in Jerusalem and around the world, and he is our special guest today, and we're going to be talking about uh, the acts of terror in Israel, in just the last several weeks, 19 Israelis have been murdered by terrorists, and yet it seems that the world is silent. Just in the last few hours, I've looked up uh, three major Christian publications, their um, archives and their Facebook pages over the last six weeks when these terrorist activities have taken place, and these Christian publications are completely silent on the deaths of uh, Jewish people in Israel. Eli Wiesel's original account of the suffering he endured during the Holocaust that would later become the book Night was first published in Yiddish under the title And the World Was Silent. And for the most part, the world is still silent when Jews suffer. And in the present wave of terror in which Jewish innocents' lives have been taken from them and from their loved ones. There is little said in world media or in Christian media. There's no empathetic concern. There's scarce remorse or pity. The world, it seems, continues to embrace its age-long pattern of indifference to Jewish suffering. And one of the great tragedies of the Holocaust was not just that Culturally sophisticated Germans, for the most part baptized Christians, reasoned that shooting, torturing, and gassing six million Jews was an act of righteousness, or that Europeans under the occupation willingly and often gleefully turned in their Jewish neighbors to the SS, but that running parallel to the genocide rage of the perpetrators was the indifference of the bystanders, those who did nothing to stop the carnage, those who remained silent. And indifference is evil's greatest ally. When we remain silent, when people suffer, it's evil's greatest ally. So what is behind the world's indifference to Jewish suffering? And the answer is complicated, but a 2019 Church of England document entitled God's Unfailing Love, Theological and Practical Perspectives on Christian-Jewish Relations sheds light on the issue. The document states, regarding the Jewish people as collectively guilty of rejecting Christ, made it natural for generations of Christians to regard Jewish suffering as divinely willed punishment. And so this false doctrine of deicide, the Jews murdered Christ, has been so deeply ingrained in Western culture for 1,700 years that it's natural, in the words of the Church of England, to view Jewish pain as divine punishment and consequently make the world apathetic and indifferent to the terror regularly inflicted on the Jewish people. The word indifference is defined as absence of compulsion to or toward one thing or another. If in the collective world's conscious, Jewish pain is purposely inflicted by God, why would someone be compelled to interfere with the divine will? This is the underlying reason, I believe, whether conscious or unconscious, behind the world's indifference to Jewish suffering. And so that's why we're not seeing... 
much written, you know, in the in the media in the last several weeks about the the hatching and the butchering and the stabbing to death of nineteen Jewish innocents in Israel. So purging seventeen hundred years of deeply intrinsic misconceptions, which is the Jewish pain is an act of God from the world's belief system will not be easy. The Jewish people for millennia have been the protectors and bearers of God's righteous and moral law. If Christians truly value God's righteousness, they will defend the womb of that righteousness. The Jewish people come what may in a prayer composed by Pope John 23rd, shortly before his death, he said, we realize now that many, many centuries of blindness have dimmed our eyes so that we no longer see the beauty of thy chosen people and no longer recognize in their faces the features of our firstborn brother. We realize that our brows are branded with the mark of Cain. Centuries long has Abel lain in blood and tears because we had forgotten thy love. Forgive us, the Pope said, the curse with which we unjustly laid on the name of the Jews. So I personally hope his prayer is answered. And the many centuries of the world's indifferent blindness towards Jewish blood and tears will come to an end. And so we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about why the world is silent. We want to talk to Israel Stefanski about what's happening in Israel right now in regards to terrorism. So again, Israel Stefanski is the president and founder of the Advanced Security Training Institute known as ASTI. Israel is a recognized expert in practical disaster response and is an international lecturer in the field of counterterrorism. He has appeared on CNN, KTVT, Fox News, Israel National News, Radio Israel, and CFRB Toronto. As a young man, Stefanski found himself at the site of a violent terror attack in Jerusalem. Rather than run from the scene, he took action and became part of the rescue effort. This experience as a 15-year-old young Jewish boy in Jerusalem led him to work with Zaka, an organization that carries out the important and different difficult task of recovering body parts for burial after a terror attack. Today, Israel Stefanski's organization, ASTI, provides critical training for U.S. members of Congress and U.S. first responders in the area of school safety, counterterrorism, and cybersecurity in an Israel-based immersion training course. And the best thing about Israel Stefanski, he's a a friend. He's been my friend for probably 20 years or more, and he's been to every one of my three daughters' weddings. Somehow he makes it from Jerusalem. And uh, his father, Abraham Stefanski, founded one of the largest uh, Jewish uh, day school uh, colleges for young women in Jerusalem. So Israel Stefanski, welcome to Israel and you. Thank you very much for having me. It's good to have you, Israel. And I know you're going to be here in the States in in not long, and you'll be traveling with uh, some folks from Shin Bet Security and helping our FBI and police force around the country deal with, with terrorism. So in just the last several weeks, there's been 19 Israelis murdered either by a hatchet in one case, stabbings and shootings. So tell us, you know, from your perspective, what is happening? Why this new wave of terror? I think the new wave of terror is coming on, if we go back to the last year of Israel, where the elections took place and a new government was formed, 
and they took in the Arab, the what's called the Southern Muslim Brotherhood. They took into the government to open a coalition, and they gave them 53 billion shekel as part of being part of the coalition. <clears throat> That's the first time in the history of Israel where the Arabs are part of the ruling government. And because of that, the Arabs have their heads up. You can't do anything to them if they do something, because if you do, they'll throw out the government. So oh. it's like one is protecting the other, and therefore the police don't do anything when they throw stones. They don't do anything dramatic to offend the Arabs at this point because it's going to affect the government. So it's so, if the cat in the sim in a simple way, if the Arabs feel nothing is going to happen to them, why not do it? Well, and when they do it, they still don't see a punishment. So why not continue doing it? So Israel is in a very weak spot right now. So how does Israel deal with with terrorist activity? And we in the states, you know, we don't understand how this can happen. Where you know you have. There's there's one million Arab people that that live in Israel. Most people don't know that, but most of them are peace-loving people. I think you, you mentioned the other day that something like forty-seven or fifty-seven percent of Arabs, you know, don't want the Jewish state. So there's a, a, a violence that's brewing. So how does Israel deal with with terrorist activities? Is, is are you on like red alert right now in the streets of Jerusalem? All across Israel, everybody's now uh, on high alert because you never know where it's going to come. And part of most of the terror activities that took place now was done by what's called Israeli Arabs, not mm. what they call Palestinian that live in what's called occupied territory. It was mm. Israeli Arabs that live, um, and that's the surprising side of it. Because you don't expect the Israeli Arabs that live amongst you that are part of the Israeli society to go ahead and do it. So that's the shocking part in this whole last few months. Yeah, tell us, explain to us, you know, who, who were the people that were murdered? What, what, were, what were the sites where, where these terrorist activities took place so that we can get a, you know, we can feel uh, bereaved and, and, and grieve with you? The first terror attack took place in Beersheba. It was that was a stabbing and shooting. It was a stabbing attack in Beersheba. You know, somewhere southern Israel, nothing normally doesn't happen there. Then you had Hadera up north of Israel, and that was Israeli Arabs with guns went down and shot and killed three policemen. And then you had Tel Aviv at the bar when people were just sitting at the bar and the guy just came over with a gun and started shooting them. Hmm. And then you had, um, like this, you can't remember now each attack. And then the last one was on Independence Day. Israel celebrates 74 years of independence and, and two guys come with ha axes and just started uh, chopping people up. Wow. And how many so, people died in that uh, attack? That three. Okay. Three people. So, so Israel is... It's, um, 
Yeah. What What do you want the world to know as a Jewish man living in Jerusalem? You're a, what's known as a Sabra, which means you are, um, you know, native born. Your parents are Israelis. Your grandparents are Israelis. So what is that? What What do you want the world to know uh, about Jewish suffering? See, I don't know if the right word should be Jewish suffering. You know, in the history, Jews have suffered all the time. But there is a time and place, like King Solomon says in Proverbs, there's a time for everything. And there's a time where Israel has a state, the Jews have a state, and the Jews should stand up for themselves and not always go think, what will CNN say or what the White House will say or what the European Union is going to say? We are who we are and we should be strong. And if you f- come against us, we will fight back. The Bible says whoever comes against you, you get up, get him first. That it's, That's how it should be, but it's at that place. And we always think of what the next news cycle headline will be. So we have to cave in to make sure we don't bother anybody. Yeah, that's the sad the sad part is when Jewish people are attacked and they defend themselves, the world media, the biased world media does not really talk about what happened in the attack. They just show, you know, Israel retaliating against the attack and so they they blame the Jews and that doesn't happen anywhere in the world. I mean, whenever there's some kind of a terrorist attack somewhere else in the world and people retaliate or defend themselves, it's okay, but not for, not for the Jewish people to defend themselves. And, and that's, that's the great tragedy is that, you know, for millennia, Jewish people have suffered and the world yawns. They, they turn their back on that suffering. So when we come back from the break, um, I'm going to ask Israel to tell us his experience as a 15-year-old boy on bus number 18 in downtown Jerusalem, an event that changed his life forever. And uh, there was an explosion, and instead of uh, running away from the explosion on the bus, it was a terrorist bomb, and many lives were lost. Israel Stefanski, a young Jewish boy, ran into the bus uh, to save as many Jewish lives as he could possibly save. And so when we come back from the break, uh, Israel is going to tell us uh, that story of how he got involved in uh, standing up against terrorism. So we thank him for what he's doing in uh, our FBI and our police here and first responders in America. We'll talk to Israel on the other side of the break. Hello, I'm Aaron Free, President of Israel Team Advocates. Israel Team is standing in the gap for the Jewish people in a time of growing anti-Semitism in America. And there are many forces, even within Christianity, that want to divide the land of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. There has to be those who proclaim the truth about Israel in a time when nations are calling for her demise. Our organization works on college campuses where anti-Israelism is in vogue, especially on evangelical college campuses. Evangelical anti-Israel groups highly financed by George Soros and his Open Society organization are pushing evangelical millennials towards the abyss of anti-Semitism, and they are succeeding. 
One such group, the Telos Group, is funding all expense-paid trips for young pastors and evangelical college students to Israel where they feed them lies about the Jewish people and the land, and they come home anti-Israel. In just the last four years, evangelical young people have cut their support in half for Israel. In a survey in 2018, 69% of evangelical young people said they supported the Jewish people. A new survey in 2021 found that only 33% of evangelical young people support the state of Israel. So if we don't push back against the growing anti-Israelism within evangelical movement, evangelicalism could be anti-Israel within just a few short years. I'm asking you to help Israel team in this fight. I'm asking you to stand with us as we stand for God's covenant with Abraham and the land and the great nation that God is building in Israel. Will you give to Israel Team today? And there's two ways you can give. Go to our website, israelteam.org, to donate section, and you can give securely online. Be sure to give us your mailing address so that we can send you our new book, The Casualty of Contempt. You can also mail your donation to Israel Team. Find our address on our website, israelteam.org. That's israelteam.org. This is Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Welcome back to Israel and You, and our very esteemed and special guest today is Israel Stefanski, who's the president and founder of the Advanced Security Training Institute, known as ASTI. And we're talking to Israel today all the way from Jerusalem, his hometown, the holy city. And so, Israel, before the break, I mentioned that you were going to tell us a story of what happened when you were 15 years old when uh, during the Intifada, when there were so many restaurants blowing up and buses blowing up. So tell us what happened on that fateful day at bus number 18. And bus number 18, it was a Sunday morning at the quarter to seven. And I was on the way to school. I was standing at the red light traffic crossing of Jaffo and Prophets of Israel Street. And I saw the bus to the left of me at the red light and then it exploded. Not knowing the feeling of an explosion that occurred, the smoke, the smell, and a leg went with, fell right next to me. I wasn't sure if I'm in a movie, but heard the yelling, heard the screaming, and I felt a hand pushing me like an epiphany, go and help. Hmm. I went, got to the bus, went on, did as much as I can, help wounded people off the bus, saw victims that were torn apart, bodies from an explosion, and I knew after that, I was late to school, and I knew that that's going to change my life. And went back to school, said after that, I have to go to EMT school because when something like this happens again, I want to be there to help and not to be a burden. And that's what drove my life to continuing to go to be a part of the disaster rescue team to always be able to give out a hand when people are in need, and for sure if it's terrorism activities or any other incident. And that's what uh, pushes me to this day, even with the Advanced Security Training Institute, is because as an American, Israel is living, is going through this every day for the last 74 years. America went through 9-11, and I say it, we do not need to spill American blood 
and reinvent the wheel. Let's learn from Israel from the experience they have so we can save better lives in America if something would happen. That's the whole wanting of what we do today. And I met you, Israel, during the Intifada in 2002 when there were no tourists in Israel. And I went over to visit my, my Jewish family and I met you in a, a Jewish restaurant. I, I didn't speak Hebrew. You came up and helped me order. And that's how our friendship began. And over the years, you've stayed you know, in my house with my family and you've just been a wonderful part of our family. And, and I just want to say to you that Wow, there are so many Christians out here that really love Israel and that are concerned when these terrorist activities take place, and they're grieved uh, with you. The Bible says, uh, grieve with those who grieve and mourn with those who mourn. And so I want to let you know there's many, many people in the Christian community that are very concerned about what's happening right now in Israel. And uh, we've talked recently about, you know, what's happening on the Temple Mount. And the Southern Muslim Brotherhood has control along with Jordan of the Temple Mount. So kind of give us your perspective on how that might be inspiring some of these terrorist activities. One of Israel's biggest mistakes after the Six-Day War is because Israel has what's called a secular government was we had the Six-Day War, we finally conquered the Temple Mountain, took back, and people now could go to the Western Wall. And the defense minister at that time gave over the control for the Temple Mountain back to the Jordanians. They just finished the war with them, and he gave back their control. Hmm. So since then, the Jordanian Waqf, it's called the Religious um, Society for the Temple Mountain, owned and controlled by the Jordanians, they control everything that goes on in Temple Mountain. So if any Jew goes up on the Temple Mountain, stands and starts praying, they throw him out, they could arrest him, they're not allowed, they can, they can, they can not allow Israel, Jews to go up on the Temple Mountain. So it's always been a, a spot of that causes issues if and when, depending on what goes on politically. In the last uh, few months or in the last year, so to speak, because the Arab Muslim Brotherhood is part of the Israeli government, and now before Passover, the Arabs came up with saying, the Jews are going to take over, and they're going to bring on a sheep for the Lamb of Passover onto the Temple Mountain, and they going to defile the Al-Aqsa, and we have to go out and defend the Al-Aqsa. And that's where all the riots uh, in Jerusalem began. And it was mm. a fake. It's not, a, and it's a fake story. It's like a blood libel, made-up story. You know, they are good in doing it. And now, because of all that was going on on the Temple Mountain with the riots, the Muslim Brotherhood said they're going to give one last chance for this government to stand, but. They Israel has to listen to what Jordan is going to tell them about the Temple Mountain. So Jordan is now came up, I think, with 20 new rules for if anybody wants to go on the Temple Mountain, meaning that's not Muslim. And they gave it to the Americans that the Americans should push Israel to obey by it. And that's a sad story. 
forget about from 1967 from the war that Israel doesn't really control the Temple Mountain as much as they want to say. You have a Muslim brother, Jordanian, whoever you want to call them, that controls the Temple Mountain. Yes, the police could go on to it when something happens, but you don't really have control. And now it's even going to be worse. So it's a sad case overall. Yeah, the Bible says, <clears throat> calls each and every one of us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And so we want to do that today, especially in this rise of terror, what's happening on the Temple Mount, um, Jewish innocent lives being taken, and we all should be concerned. And again, the scripture says, grieve with those who grieve and mourn with those who mourn. So Israel Stefanski, would you do, do us a favor and would you pray in Hebrew and pray a prayer that God would bring peace uh, to Jerusalem, and uh, we'll agree with you in prayer. Would that be okay? Yes, sir. Shira ma'alot, esai enai ele arim, me'ayin yavo ezri. Ezri me'im Adonai, ose shamayim varetz. This is the Psalm 122. I mean, we're putting our eyes... We're lifting our eyes up to God. We can only trust in Him. If He doesn't protect, if He doesn't give us the protection, nobody can protect us. That's so true. Right. And then, then pray a prayer for the peace of Jerusalem. And He. <laughs> Let me try. Now you put me on the spot. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's I forgot which Psalm is it. Psalm Shalu Shlom Yerushalayim. It's pray for the. Ask for the peace of Jerusalem or pray for the peace in Jerusalem. Well, let's That's... just agree in prayer with you then, Stefanski. You know, I'll pray in English, all right? Okay. So, Lord, today, as an audience all around America, Lord, we do pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray that her borders will be safe. We pray that her inhabitants will be safe. And, Lord, we pray that you would put an end to this uh, current rise of anti-Semitism in Israel and around the world, we pray that you would protect uh, innocent Jewish civilians, men, women, and children. Uh, this red alert that's happening right now all across the land of promise, uh, the holy land where Jewish people are <clears throat> being threatened, their lives are being threatened. And so we pray that you would thwart these terrorist attacks. I pray that you would give uh, the Israeli military uh, wisdom uh, in order to thwart these attacks. Pray for Israel Stefanski as he helps those here in the States uh, wondering and tr contemplating how to deal with this kind of terrorism in, a, in, a, in America, God forbid, that it would ever rise in this country. So, Lord, again, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for Israel Stefanski. We ask this in the name of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Amen and amen. So Israel, thank you so much for being with us today all the way from Jerusalem. And please give my regards to your, your mother and father. I know your father is, is uh, not doing well physically, so we'd ask the listening audience to pray for Abraham Stefanski, a, a man of God, a teacher uh, of the Word of God. So Stefanski, thanks for being with us today. My pleasure. God bless you. God bless you, and God bless Israel. And let's all keep our eyes focused 
on on Israel and and let's all stay uh, caught up on the news with what's happening there in these days. God bless you. We'll see you next time on Israel and You. Connect with Israel Team by visiting israelteam.org. That's israelteam.org. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.